This is Real Estate Rookie Show number 46. I now like network a lot on Bigger Pockets forums and actually we host our own meetup, which was really out of my comfort zone since we're just rookies. <laughs> but everyone else is like a rookie, I realized. is Ashley Kerr and I am here. It is New Year's Eve and I am with Tony Robinson. Hello, Tony. What's up, Ashley? Happy New Year's <laughs> Eve to you. We're like on the cusp of ending one of the craziest years ever and hopefully right. 2021 is just a slightly better version of last year or this year. Right, right. I know. So you had mentioned that you have a new property under contract going into the yeah. new year already. So tell me about that. It's been so crazy, Ashley. Like, you know, 2020 has been a crazy year in so many ways, but I feel so grateful for the growth that our real estate business has had. And we've been on like this really rapid pace of acquiring property. So we've got a property in Pigeon Forge, another cabin that closes in, gosh, like 10 days. And then we've got oh. another short-term rental in Joshua Tree that'll be closing next month. And we just saw that in person yesterday. So super excited about that one. So you have two in each of those markets, right? Or do you have three in Joshua Tree? We have two in Joshua Tree with a third okay. under contract, and then okay. we have one in Pigeon Forge, and then actually we have three in under contract in Pigeon Forge right now. Oh my so. gosh, I didn't know that one. Wow, awesome. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to grow fast, but the one that we have in Joshua Tree, that's our first time doing it with another partner. So, you know, I've, oh, I've had the same okay. partner for all of them, but we brought in a third partner on this one. So we're kind of testing out that model. So we're excited about it. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. This weekend, I think, or next week, depending on the weather, I'm going to look at 20 acres and it has three storage sheds on it that are used for storage for farm equipment and storage for boats and RVs. It's right near a lake. So this will be like something completely different for me, except my husband's a farmer. So I know about farm equipment storage. <laughs> yes, yes, we have sheds and storage, but we don't make any money off of it. And then yeah. some of the land is leased to a farmer to use. So this property was bought by somebody, I think in 2008, they bought it as a foreclosure and they ran this boat storage out of it. And so my partner and I really want to acquire more land. And hopefully with this 20 acres, we'll be able to pay for the land and own this land for free down the road after we collect the storage income from it. So I'm really excited That's so cool, to see man. this property. Yeah. You know, actually, the Joshua Tree property that we're about to close on, it's on two and a half acres. I'm not oh, really? quite at like the 20 or 200 <laughs> yeah. that you're at, but I'm creeping up there. So, But we'll, that's we'll really see. good for that area. It is. Yeah. Half, I mean, yeah. it's actually pretty big. So our other properties on like about half an acre, both of them. So this mm -hmm. one's at two and a half. And what's really cool is that we have the ability to add a second unit on that one. So that's kind of the long-term play with that. So Yeah, it's exciting. And it's just, I love it, all the different ways to, you know, you can actually do real estate investing and the different right. ways to make money off real estate and property. Yeah. yeah. But today we have another great guest, actually two guests, husband and wife, Annie and Trey. So they're going to tell us about how they were accidental landlords and then they accidentally flipped their house. They had a live and flip. And so they started investing across the country, actually near Buffalo, where Trey is originally from, because it didn't make sense in their Seattle market. And what's really cool is Trey talks about how he was the reluctant spouse in the group and what kind of converted him into actually believing in real estate investing. And now he's like fully bought in. So for those of you that are curious on how to get your spouse on board, definitely listen to that piece. Trey also talks about his mother-in-law. So keep an ear out for that on, on how <laughs> Trey feels about his mother-in-law. But overall, it was a really good episode. Lots of good information there. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal Do Not Call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. 
Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right, get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do-not-call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the Bigger Pockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's rent to retirement.com or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. Annie and Trey, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Do you guys want to go ahead and one of you tell us a little bit uh, about yourselves and how you got started into real estate? Sure, I'll start. I'm Annie Johnson, stay-at-home mom. I have three kids. Me and Trey, we got married when I was like 20. So I started out pretty young. I've been a stay-at-home mom since. For fun and for part-time work, I teach group fitness at a local gym. And I love trail running and mountain hiking. And we got into real estate investing by accidentally making money renting out our first home. And Trey, what about you? What do you do for work? So I'm a general contractor and I fish commercially up in Alaska in the summers. And I flip houses when Annie buys them. <laughs> when I buy them, you buy them. <laughs> and he's also a Buffalo Bills fan. <laughs> That's right. Let's go Buffalo. This is a great time to mention that you're a Bills fan. <laughs> That's right. No one circles the wagons yeah. like we do on Rookie. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about that first deal. I mean, you guys kind of talked about who's actually buying these deals and what made you get started? Who was the one that brought it up first? Like, hey, let's do real estate investing. I actually was completely not on board. Like I grew up in a small town. I just wanted a place to live. Everybody leave me alone, live there forever kind of thing. <laughs> so I was not on board with real estate investing or even having like a mother-in-law or anything like that. So Annie was like, she, I think she had a friend that actually kind of mentioned something to her about house hacking. I was like, no, 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 no. We totally ditched the idea and went and bought actually a manufactured home of pretty new one, 2011, I think it was, on like six acres. 2015, sorry. 15, okay, so yeah. super new. And like it was on six acres, kind of just outside of town, nice cozy setting, had a little shop and up on a hill with a view. So I'm thinking, all right, we're good. Mm -hmm. So I was totally not, not into the whole investing thing. <laughs> but what happened was we ended up not really, things didn't work out in that location, just kind of like away from friends and family. So we ended up, they can shoot. We don't want to live here anymore. <laughs> so I did do a lot of work with the property, but we decided let's sell this thing. And when we went to sell it, we we're like, you know, we can't really get what we want for it. Our real estate agent said, this is what you could probably get. And we're like, eh, well, it's still our options. And so I think she kind of maybe threw out the idea of renting it. We took her advice and we rented it out and found some good renters, but that's kind of when we came across bigger pockets actually, mm -hmm. which I think Annie could probably take it from there. <laughs> Well, I, sorry, one comment I want to make. Yeah. I was laughing here <laughs> because you said that you 
you, you said that you didn't want a mother-in-law. And I was like, <laughs> Andy, we can get married, but I'm not taking your mom. Your, your yeah, mom, yeah. you got to stay. <laughs> but, but, oh, then it clicked. You meant like a mother-in-law sweet. That makes a ton of sense. So. <laughs> so you guys were kind of like accidental investors to begin mm -hmm. with. What was it that finally kind of made you, Trey, say okay, I'm okay with renting this out to someone. Was it just because you couldn't get what you wanted mm -hmm. or did you start seeing the vision at that point? I think really we saw the market, how it was going around here and the appreciation people were getting. We had a neighbor sell their home and get pretty good appreciation, but we could see it upticking. So I think for me, it was more about what we could get for the home in a year or two, that vision and not so much about the renting part. Trey, what market are you guys in? So we're in the Pacific Northwest, basically the Seattle market, not into the renting at first, just saw the value of keeping it for another couple of years. Annie, it sounds like you were the one that was kind of driving initially the push to become an investor. What was it about investing that kind of caught your eye initially? And what made you feel that you and Trey would be good fits to do that? I think it was kind of just like building over the last five years. When we did rent out our house in Polesville, it was like cash flowing and we we're kind of like, oh, wow, this is awesome. And then when we went to sell it, it was even more awesome. We're like, wow, we didn't really try this. Like we weren't trying to make a bunch of money, but we did. And we're like, if we actually put our minds to it, we could probably make this a career. <laughs> and it was kind of to go a little deeper in that. I don't know if you guys want to hear it, but when we bought the house, it was like in the woods. The first thing we did was knock down all these trees and they actually paid us to give ourselves a view of the water and the mountains. The loggers, like, yeah. Oh, so you had the loggers come in and log the property and take the timber mm -hmm. and then you guys got the nice yeah. view. Wow, awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Trey, you probably know about this growing up in the country with me, but like land value, there's so many different ways. You had those six acres on there. Where mm -hmm. you can sell the timber, you can, you know, have honeybees on there, you can tap yep. into the maple syrup. Like there's so many <laughs> different things you can do with raw land too, that I think sometimes people don't think about that. They think more of like, whoa, six acres, that's a lot of lawn mowing I have to pay for. But sometimes you can definitely get the value out of it with different things. So Yeah. No, and when we bought the house actually, part of the deal was it's on six acres. But now there's a rule there where you can only have five acre parcels. But before they put that rule in, this guy split his property into two, three acre parcels. And we actually got both of those. And the caveat was it went right through the shop for some reason. And so wow. we had to find a creative way to move that property line so we could sell both properties separately. It kind of worked out great. <laughs> and how did you guys do that? What did you do creatively? I mean, to move that property line to get it, did you have to have a surveyor come out and get a new survey done? It was actually super simple because we owned both lots and the line was in between both my properties. So I really, all I had to do is call the surveyor. They didn't have to run, like use their lasers or anything. They just came and measured, like, I think it was 30 feet and just literally just moved the line on paper. And at that point we had all the proper distance from the property line. So people could build on there if they wanted to. And that parcel was right on top of this ridge with a mountain view that the timber guys had cleared. So, I mean, it was a great lot and it was super desirable. Yeah, it was actually pretty easy. What did the numbers look like on this deal? What did you purchase it for? And then what did you cash flow? And then what did you end up selling it for? And you want to talk about that? Sure. We bought it for, I think, 235. It was on the market for 260. And it was on the market a long time because I think it was a manufactured home. And a lot of people weren't like, interested in it, but we wanted like the land and we wanted the view. And so we're like, let's just put in a low ball offer. And then we got it right away with like a love letter and one offer for 235. And then we lived there for two and a half years. We decided that we wanted to move on to something else. And so that's when our realtor suggested renting it. I think she suggested 250, maybe listing it. And we're like, Oh, I think we could get more. I don't know. No. So <laughs> We rented it out and that's actually when I first heard about bigger pockets. I went on the Facebook group and I asked like, hey, what does it mean to be a landlord? And someone had thrown out the name bigger pockets and I kind of didn't really understand what it was. Like it sounds like people who are like trying to make money where I'm like, I'm just trying to rent my house out. <laughs> I didn't really get it. <laughs> like, oh, people make money doing this. I don't know. Like, I've known a few landlords and they're not like really rich or anything. I don't want to make money. I just want to rent my house out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's kind of what my thinking was then. Anyway, so we rented it out for I think it was two hundred dollars cash flow for us. Right, Trey? Does that sound right? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's before we really knew about capital expenses. So let's just say two hundred. <laughs> okay. Our mortgage is like fifteen something, and we rented it for what eighteen fifty. Okay. Yeah. So you had a little so. room there. But sorry, you mentioned Annie that you wrote a love letter. What is that? Elaborate on that for me. I think they're pretty popular in the Seattle area. Like if someone's looking at some offers on a home, sometimes they'll pick someone with a love letter that they uh, want to sell their home to. <laughs> well, so what do you say in a love letter? Like we said, like, this is our dream home. We've been wanting a home with property. We want to have a farm and raise our kids here. It's basically what we said, I think. Yeah, and they were selling actually the home for their dad that passed away that lived in it and i think they read it and were just like it's yours it kind of stuck with them that's awesome that's a unique strategy you also said so this is a manufactured home and for folks that don't know how those differ from traditional home walk us through what those differences are and then in your mind what are some of the pros and cons with going with the manufactured home this manufactured home was pretty new i know like older manufactured homes there's like some red flags i think this one was only like four years old and for me, when we were living in it, I kind of was like, oh, it's a manufactured home. Like kind of like, oh, this is kind of lame, <laughs> to be honest. And I felt like we couldn't really add a whole lot of value to the house to like flip it. Like my husband's a carpenter. Like, he can be handy and fix stuff. But like it was still a manufactured home. And I think that's why a lot of people don't look at it as a good investment. But for us, it was. <laughs> So really for you, the cons were more so just like the aesthetics. It didn't feel like yeah. a normal home for you, but I mean, it was still a great investment. And at the end of the day, that's all we're looking for. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's a stigma with manufactured homes because 25 years ago, they were kind of crappy, but now they actually hold them to a higher standard than regular homes. They're actually really good homes and you can get good insurance, all that good stuff. And you can't really add too much to them, but if you have a good lot and it's well taken care of, they can't appreciate. So I guess that's the only thing I want to say. And at the end of the day, right, it's really about the numbers. And as long as the numbers make sense when you're investing, manufactured home, it doesn't matter, right? Like if the numbers make sense, let's do it. Now, you guys have continued to grow your portfolio since then. I guess walk us through your journey since that first investment. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we went over the numbers, but we ended up selling it a year after we rented it. We sold it for three thirty. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. We were really excited and we're like, this is awesome. But then the most exciting part was we listed the second lot that it was on because we divided it. And so we sold that for 115,000. Wow. (gasps) That was free. (laughs) It wasn't free. And this was in one year? (laughs) So this is our first home we bought and then sold like three years after we bought it. Yeah. Wow. And then I think that's when we're like, we've been landlords. That's when we actually dove into bigger pockets and decided to look more into this. That's awesome. Everyone's going to go buy manufactured homes now. You guys started the trend. (laughs) Now it's happening. What happens after that first deal? Like, where do you guys go from there? Well, I told Trey about bigger pockets, but I'd never looked into it. But he had a friend who's like just really good with his money and told Trey to look into bigger pockets. And I'll let Trey take it from here, how he found our duplex. Well, first, before the duplex, we bought a house in Snohomish, another area in Washington, just a single family home. And I can't remember if we were thinking that was going to be our forever home or what we were doing, but (laughs) we just wanted to be in that area, kind of closer to family. We didn't want to rent. Around here, rent is insane. So it's like, we might as well just buy a house because you're going to pay less to buy a house than rent. And at least you'll get some appreciation. So we bought another house. And while we're at that house, I actually started listening to Bigger Pockets podcast pretty regularly. I mean, like almost every day, if I was working in the yard or something, I'd have my headphones in. And so we started looking, we didn't want to go too crazy. We didn't have a ton. We had some money from the deal that we did before, but we still want to be a little conservative. So we're not really looking. We looked in the Seattle area but the risk was really high, low reward, it seemed like. Not that it can't be done. It's just for us, it was a little bit too risky for us and we didn't see really good numbers and we weren't ready to go into um, syndication. Yeah, we weren't really there yet. So (laughs) I still was trying to figure out what a syndication was. So anyways, I was like, well, why don't we look back home because I can buy a house for like nothing. (laughs) So, and I've got a bunch of contractor friends there. I knew people and I felt comfortable like, being long distance and having a quality product, not just getting some random guy to fix my house. I knew that I could find people that would do a good job, charge a fair rate, and I could trust. So we looked and I knew a good area in the Chautauqua region. So this is south of Buffalo for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they know. Yeah. 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 And there's a lot of tough places around there that really renting it. I mean, there's a lot of slums and people just are longing for a good place to rent. 
and there's some cute, beautiful little neighborhoods with beautiful old houses. And I just got like a real heart for those. So we went and found one in a little town right next to the lake. I got it for 42,000 and we flipped it and now we're running the top and the bottom out. So when you purchased this property, did you go and look at it? How many times did you actually travel to see the property once you bought it? So that one, I think I went there twice. Yeah. The first time I went, I actually met up with a couple realtors, one in the Jamestown area, and then another one actually up in the Buffalo area and kind of looked around a little bit up there. And the, the Buffalo area is kind of crazy. I got a long story about that, but <laughs> save that for another podcast. But some shady stuff going on. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I went twice. I found that one the first trip. And then when we went to actually buy it, I went back before we closed and checked it out. So not even during the rehab or once it was finished, you had everything taken care of for that? Once we bought it, we actually closed December 28th. It took a little while. In New York, it's slow. Right, yeah. (laughs) yeah. As you know. Yes. That was the winter of 2018. 2018. 18, 19 or whatever. 2018, we closed, yeah. Okay, so 2019, January, it was like super cold. You probably don't remember because they're always cold, but it was like negative every day. (laughs) And so I went back to New York and I'm changing out windows and doors in this house in the middle of the winter time, all by myself, you know, trying to get this done. So I went back for three weeks and worked like 16 hour days trying to flip this house. Yeah, it was a lot of work, but I got it to a point where I kind of handed it over to my contractor buddy and he finished it off for me. And then I had another guy do the siding and fix some of the roofing. That was my buddy, Eli. Eli, the Amish guy. <laughs> hey, save him for the MVP. <laughs> okay. And the, the Amish guys are the best for siding and roofing around here. I will definitely say yeah. that. They just did one of my properties too. And it was like, they're in and out in a day. And there's two 30 packs in the dumpster when they're done, you know? <laughs> <laughs> did yours have to get a ride or did they drive themselves they have a ride the guy oh, okay. i would call him because he carries the cell phone call him schedule it and then they get their oh. ride and the guy sits in the van waits for them to be done yeah wow. sounds right yeah. i just learned yeah. something new today i did not know that that was a thing in buffalo so yeah yeah i gotta go to buffalo like you guys got a good oh, yeah. football team there's some strong labor force with the amish <laughs> folks so. yeah heck yeah, yeah. no it's yeah, great they do. The, really the best quality work yeah, it made me laugh that Trey was like, I'm expecting Eli to go to his neighbor's house to call me later today at two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just a little side note, we had most of our furniture in our house built by the Amish and they would send us ah, a postcard cool. when it was ready to be picked up. So we'd like wait for the postcard, then we'd drive out and go get it. Yeah. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's so awesome. cool. That's awesome. so cool. <laughs> After you're done, well, first of all, did you use the money from the manufactured home property to purchase this? Let's go into the numbers a little bit. And then did you refinance? Was it a burr? How did that all work? Yeah, we took some of the money from the property we sold. And then we actually loaded up. I wouldn't necessarily recommend this, but we got a ton of miles and points using credit cards and it just paid them off. But yeah, we basically used that money to do it. It's kind of a conglomeration for us because we're not overly between the lines financially. I just go work and we spend money kind of. So it might've been a little bit of fishing money and a little bit of the home sale money, but basically that was the plan. So I'm not Mm -hmm. sure exactly if it worked out that way, but yeah. So you paid cash though for it. You didn't take hard money or private money or anything like that. Used your phone funds for it. And then once you're done, did you refinance the property? So we did get a mortgage originally. And then I used all my own money to flip it. Right now, it's still under that mortgage. And we're just starting the process of refinancing it now. And do you have tenants in place? Yeah, renting, it's been a breeze. Like, we literally put it on and we get like hundreds. And (laughs) it's crazy. So, yeah, tenants, great tenants. Because it's a higher end. It's not like high end, but it's a higher end for that area. Rental. And it really attracts some really good renters and a lot of interest. So yeah, we've been rented out since the day we decided to rent it. You know, you were scared early on, Trey, about like being a landlord. So how has that experience been for you now that you've got this property with tenants in it? Yeah, it's been great because we kind of were accidental investors in the beginning. I wouldn't say everything's an accident, but we've had a lot of good pieces fall in place that I don't know if it was anything we did or just kind of worked out, but we've got a really good guy who manages our property and he's just a great guy. He's not like, he doesn't do a ton of properties or anything like that. He's a buddy of mine who's a contractor and he's done a good job of keeping it rented for us. If there's an issue like plumbing or something, he'll get a plumber out there 
we just had him come cut some trees and stuff. So he keeps the ball rolling there. He's been a huge asset for us. I wouldn't mind running it if we're in town. It wouldn't bother me to do that, but just having him there, trusting him and be able to work with him and having a good relationship has really made it so much easier than I think it could have been. (laughs) And that's a good point to make, right? Is that a lot of folks know that whatever market they live in might not be the ideal market for them to invest in. They need to go out of state. And what you've shown so far is that putting the right team in place is critical, right? You have the right team to help you rehab the property. Now you've got the right person in place to help you manage it. And, you know, not everyone's going to have the same, I think, contact that you have in terms of, you know, you knew a lot of folks out there already, but for those of you that are listening, you can still build those relationships by going into those markets and getting to know people. So I love the approach that you guys took. Give us kind of the overview of where you guys are today. So you, you had this first property that you built. What Do you guys have anything else or what's in the pipeline for you guys now? We put in a cash offer on a duplex, like maybe five months after Trey started renting out the duplex and it was in Jamestown and then COVID hit and we kind of got scared because we we're like, Ooh, this is a lot of cash. Like, what if we need this cash? We just kind of got scared and it wasn't even closing anyways. So I think like six months later, we're like, okay, we're not doing it. <laughs> and I don't know if I regret it, but I'm like, well, it looks like it probably would have been okay. But uh, we got scared and then a deal popped up on MLS last summer. And it was a single family home in the area that we kind of look in and it was on 10 lots. And so that made us like really attracted to it. And so we actually are still closing on that. That went pending August 24th. <laughs> Got it. I know it takes that- so long here to close, it's so bad. especially now with COVID. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a long story though. There's like three brothers involved who own the property. So everybody's having to sign. It's taking yeah. forever. And what are your plans for this property then? You said there's 10 lots. Are you going to sell some of those off? We're kind of like just entertaining different thoughts, like building duplexes if the numbers work and then selling the single family home. I think we could sell the single family home pretty easy because there was multiple offers, but we had a cash offer. So they picked us. Yeah. And there's room for improvement on the house. And so really what attracted us to it was the location. Like I couldn't go look at it. So I wanted something where I knew the location was solid and the house itself. I had my property manager actually go and look at it for me and the house itself is in great condition. So like there's room to add to it, but it was kind of like the numbers worked as it is and the lots were pretty attractive and it's a really good area. So there's like a kind of an empty canvas on this one. So we'll see what happens. How far is that property from the other one that you guys have? Maybe a half mile. They're all relatively close. Okay. So you guys plan to keep expanding in that same general area? If we can. Maybe. It takes a while to close. So I'm like, I'm going to (laughs) research how to do this without knowing a bunch of people. Yeah, for real. Well, yeah. Yeah. You guys also have a really cool dynamic, right? Because it sounds like you guys are each kind of holding different responsibilities within your real estate business. So can you guys walk us through who does what and, and kind of how that dynamic works? I was just going to say that's all Annie because it hasn't been like that on purpose a lot of times. Again, kind of accidental. We kind of just do what we're both good at and it's kind of worked out. But there are times where we need to dial it in and kind of say, okay, what are we actually doing? And that's where Annie kind of is really taking the reins and kind of got us headed in the right direction. So, (laughs) Well, I feel like in me and Trey's marriage, like sometimes I kind of need to give Trey like a little push. <laughs> like after we did that duplex deal and five months went by, I'm like, we do another one. That's what we <laughs> want to do. Right. And so that's when I was like, well, train, he doesn't have the motivation and I have the motivation. So I started listening to more podcasts and reading books. And I now network a lot on bigger pockets forums. And actually we host our own meetup, which was really out of my comfort zone since we're just rookies, <laughs> but everyone else is like a rookie. I realized <laughs> Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. How did you start the meetup? I think that's something a lot of people want to do, but they might be like you or me and uncomfortable with actually doing that. So you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So we attended two meetups in Seattle right before COVID hit. And then they ended that in February when stuff was like starting to shut down. And then we just sort of missed like talking about real estate. Like I think you mentioned Ashley, like going and like having like adrenaline or like a high after like talking (laughs) real estate and like we're just missing that and so i just put on the bigger pockets events and we just met at like a brewery social distance had masks or whatever and it was really fun it's not that scary like most people hadn't even done a first deal yet (laughs) 
<laughs> that came to the meetup. So, <laughs> yeah, it is so fun in like that adrenaline rush, that high mm -hmm. after talking. And like once you get there and just talking to one person right when you get there, like after that, it's like so easy and it, you become comfortable because you're with like minded people. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I think a lot of people think, oh, I'm just, I haven't even done my first deal. I'm lame. But like, it's like everybody's there or has been there and really appreciates that person and wants to help them because they know how hard it is just to get that first deal done. And then they know after that, it's not so scary. So yeah, whether you're talking to experienced investors, you're going to get a lot of knowledge. But even if you're talking to rookie investors, you're going to get a lot of knowledge because they're the ones out there researching and you can team up with them to find the answer to a question you both want to know. So I don't think it really matters who shows up at the meetup because you're going to find great value just talking about real estate. Even if you leave just at the end of the day, being inspired and motivated to keep going, it's definitely worth attending one or even starting your own for sure. For sure. Like I've had people text me that are in our meetups regularly and they're like, have you closed on your deal yet? Like checking in on us and when you check in on them, it's, it's cool. Yeah. Keeping each other cool. accountable and motivated mm -hmm. to keep going. Yeah. So what yeah. are your guys' goals for 2021? What's your portfolio going to look like at the end of 2021? Well, I think we have moved around like way too much <laughs> this last 10 years <laughs> and we're renting right now and you really want to just like have our home that we're going to live in for the next 15, 20 years and raise our children in. And so that was kind of hard for us to decide like what market we want to live in and raise our family. Like, I mean, we love Edmonds, but we don't want to be here forever. And so we decided to move to a small town in Alaska, which sounds really random, but we're both like, we have family in Alaska and Trey's a commercial fisherman up there and I go up there every summer. So our goals for 2021 are like building our home in Alaska and then adding an ADU to Airbnb. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it's just going to be like a one door, even though our big goals are like 20 doors in four years, but that's our goals this year. You mentioned ADU. So for guests that aren't familiar with that term, what does that mean? An accessory dwelling unit that you can either rent out or be a short-term rental. Got it. So, and you guys are looking to turn that into a short-term rental for yourselves. Yeah. So we go up to Alaska every year and there's a small tourist town. My parents actually have a condo there and it's just like a really good market to Airbnb. Got it. Now, a lot of people who have done the long-term renting, they're maybe a little hesitant to go into the short-term rentals because, you know, there's a lot more interaction, communication, and just the workload is more increased. Are you worried about that or what's your mindset on why it makes sense for you guys to take that leap? They say like house hacking, which we haven't really done. House hacking is like the best way to save money, like towards your living expenses. And we were trying to think of what we want to do. And, I, and we both agreed that Airbnb or like a short-term rental would be a really good investment for us and something that I'm willing to take on for work. <laughs> and once your property's paid off, you can turn that AD, what is it? ADU? ADA? ADU. ADU. <laughs> ADU <laughs> into a, a mother-in-law suite for your mother-in-law. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we actually live right next door to my parents, so he's like, let's go to Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> so my initial assumption was right about the mother-in-law then, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she might be listening, so. <laughs> I mean, she knows we love her. <laughs> So what goes into the planning process of building in a different state, especially Alaska? How are you guys preparing to do that? And are you starting to research what are the Airbnb laws there? What are some resources for maybe someone else that wants to do this or go into a completely new market? They want to build new construction and they want to have a short-term rental there. I kind of had this thought in my mind, maybe like two summers ago when we were thinking about moving up there and it kind of was just like a dream of mine and I didn't think it was possible and I still can't believe like it could happen. But basically we found a lot and a builder and contacted him. We got pre-approved even though we were like, I don't know, this is too good to be true kind of feeling, but we just like put in the work and tried to do it and we got pre-approved. We contacted the builder, sent him our plans for the home we want to build and he told us like what we could do with our budget. And I just feel like it's 
it's happening. <laughs> so just like yeah. putting in the work. Did I answer all the questions? I don't know. <laughs> well, also one thing that's super helpful, since especially since we're out of state for where we're building, is just contacting the city, making sure all the codes and regulations are going to work for that property. Because the builder, he didn't necessarily know all that stuff because, you know, ADUs are kind of a unique thing. But contacting the city is huge. Yeah, the city planner. Yeah, That's and then just talking to people there too and the real estate agents there and stuff. So there's a lot of resources, just kind of got to go searching a little bit for it. Now, you guys have, a I think, a unique kind of journey in real estate. You guys are partners, you're investing out of state, you're doing flips out of state or rehabbing out of state. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've learned some things along the way that you didn't know or you wish you had known when you first started. So for all of the rookies that are listening right now, what are some of the challenges that you guys have faced that have made you better investors today that you'd like to share with the with the listeners? I'll let Trey take this one, but I would say one thing, plan to go over budget, <laughs> like 20,000 <Yeah>. maybe. <laughs> well, yeah, I think one thing is, I mean, you guys probably talk about this on bigger pockets all the time. I don't know, but don't plan for the perfect scenario. Make sure that you leave a buffer for things that don't necessarily go wrong, but you didn't plan for, especially that first time. I don't know. I mean, when I went into it, I was just like, oh, I'll just go in and fix this house myself, blah, blah, blah. You know, I can do it all. But I found that having people to help you makes it not only more enjoyable and more doable, it's just a better experience and you get a better product because you're not rushing through trying to get this thing done. And also, if you do the work to find those people and you budget for it, it's just a more streamlined process and it's definitely worth paying somebody to help you out. I think that's one thing I really learned because I feel like I can do it all, but I don't have to do it all. So yeah. you're yeah. giving up that time for money. Yeah, exactly. Or vice versa. You're giving up money now to have more of your time. Yeah. Right. One thing I want to say is that how you said before you went into that, just said people have already probably said this a lot, but I want to say it again. I think it is so important whatever you believe in or whichever you think is going to help someone be successful, say it as much as you want, even if 50 other people are saying it, because there's someone out there that has not heard that before. And sometimes it also takes the right person for you to hear that from. Like I could tell you something and then a week later, Tony could be telling you his story and then him say it. And that's when it could really hit home. So don't be afraid to ever like keep saying stuff. And that goes to everybody. Whatever you think is so important in real estate and can really help rookies, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, no matter if other people are saying it, because even if it helps one person out there get started or get their next deal, it's worth you saying that. So thanks for sharing that with us. I want to jump into one of our first segments. So this is where we learn about someone who is a valuable player on your real estate team and has really helped you grow your real estate business. This is called the MVP. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation home owning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space 
and let your property pay for itself while you're gone. I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring? Your search is over. Really, there's no need to search. Match instead with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates super fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to hire top talent faster. Speaking of top talent, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. But why do I love Indeed? Because I'm busy and scrolling through 300 resumes is not helping my business grow. It's actually making it slow. With Indeed, I can hire faster and know I'm getting someone who can do the job. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to post your jobs with more visibility at Indeed.com slash rookie. Just go to Indeed.com slash rookie right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash rookie. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So who has been someone besides each other that has really helped you grow your real estate business? Annie, do you want to go first? Well, I wanted to choose the Amish just because they saved us so much money on our sighting. (laughs) But I think Trey could explain like someone we really appreciate and why we appreciate him. Yeah, I mean, I'd say our property manager for sure. He's just been so helpful. From the beginning, he was super excited to help us out. And he's reasonable and he does the work, you know, even though he's not making a bunch of money, but he's there to help us out. And he's also excited about real estate. He's trying to build his own real estate portfolio. I'd say by far, he's been the most help. Just having him boots on the ground, someone I can text anytime I need to. He'll go walk properties for me. He'll tell me about issues and take care of them. So for sure, my property manager. And one thing that he's definitely doing that I think is valuable is that he wants to learn and grow as a real estate investor. So he's getting paid by you to get that experience. I feel like that is a win-win for both of you. Like he is learning to help grow his portfolio and you're paying him, but, and you also have that comfort, ease of mind that you have someone that's motivated, that you can trust, that's loyal, and that's going to do a good job because they want to do this for themselves too. So that's awesome. And most important question, how does everybody else find someone like him? I don't know. I would say, <laughs> uh, you know, that's, that's like, uh, you know, drafting a quarterback, right? Like, <laughs> you know, they'll come around all the time, but uh, no, I think, you know, it was funny. Uh, I, everyone's story is probably different, but for me, everything I do from commercial fishing to my construction business to real estate it's all about relationships. It's all about referrals. There is so many people in your line of people, you know, somebody will be able to find somebody who you can trust and that you just got to keep walking that path until you find them. Yeah. And real estate is a relationship business all the way. And what you find is typically the most successful real estate investors are the most connected. Right. And, and they've built the most relationships. And it's not even always about going in it with some specific intention, but just, hey, you like real estate. I like real estate. Let's talk. Let's get to know each other. And you, you start building bonds with people. Some of the people that I talk to the most are real estate investors. Like it, it just turns out to be that way because we, we love talking about it. So I love that advice, Trey, because you, you got to focus on the relationships if you want to be successful. So I want to take us to our next segment here, which is our Ricky request line. You guys have some some great insights and I want to give the listeners a chance to get their questions answered. So for those of you that are listening, if you want your question featured on the show, give us a call at 8885-RICKY. You can leave us a voicemail and if we like it, we'll put it on the show. So today's question. Hi, my name is Paul Livernoy calling from Novi, Michigan. I am a rookie real estate investor. I'm a contractor by trade. I do not have a W-2 job. I want to start buying rentals. My concern is the BRRRR process. Where should I go for financing the refinancing portion of the BRRRR? I hope that makes sense. I hope that came across all right. I sound like such a rookie. Thank you guys for doing what you do. Certainly appreciate it. You guys rock. And sounds like me talking. <laughs> That's exactly where even we are now. Like we're just getting into the burr part of this and 
trying to figure it out, especially out of state. It's been a little bit tricky. A lot of local credit unions and stuff were willing to help me if I was living there, but because I couldn't be a member and didn't live, worship, or work in the state, they wouldn't lend to me. But we have found a couple banks that we're working through applying for those refinances. But honestly, I don't have a lot of insight on that because I've been struggling with that same thing. And maybe like yeah. Ashley, she's started investing out of state. Maybe she has some better insight. But honestly, it is a challenge, but we're getting there. You just got to keep calling banks. Yeah, I guess one thing to add. So with the credit union piece, I struggle with that with my out-of-state investing as well. But I was able to show that I had family in that city. And that was enough of a connection for the that credit union to lend to me. So if you've got family in some of those markets, they might be willing to do that. Well, I haven't started investing out of state. I'm still <laughs> lagging on that goal there, but <laughs> full disclosure, I have been looking, but I have to use online banks. One I used was Bank of Axo. So they lend all over the country and I did it just for a rental near me in Buffalo, but they lend all over the country. And then Jacqueline Smith, who was on episode 43, I think she talked about a lender and that's probably in the show notes for her episode that did really nice financing for burrs specifically and for flips that was worked in multiple states. So I think just like going online and searching for banks that worked like nationwide, but for you had mentioned that they said if you work there. I don't know if this would work, but what you could do is have your LLC that owns the property and then you have your contractor LLC, have the LLC for that property pay you for your contracting services because then you are technically working, you know, you received income from New York State by working on a property in New York State. So I don't know if that would actually work, but that was the first thing that came to mind. Yeah. Or partners, right? Ash and I talk about this all the time. So if you're, you know, you don't have the W-2 income, go find someone that does and you guys work out some kind of partnership agreement where you use their income and your expertise and time. So. Okay. So let's go on to our random questions. I'll ask one to Annie if you want to ask one to Trey. Tony, do you want to do that? Yeah. Okay. Annie, you talked about, you know, the books you read, the podcast, Besides, obviously, the Bigger Pockets podcast, what's another podcast and a book that you highly recommend for a rookie investor? I just started reading the book on rental property investing by Brandon Turner, which like, I feel like, well, we already have an investment. I don't need to read that, but I'm actually learning a lot and it would be really good for a rookie podcast. I listen to Bigger Pockets and like Crime Junkie. That's it. <laughs> so I can't uh, recommend another podcast. <laughs> well, and I listen to the news, but did that answer your questions? Well, we'll take the Bigger Pockets podcast then. <laughs> okay. <There you> go. <laughs> so Trey, for you as the reluctant spouse, what advice do you have for maybe other people who are listening, a husband and wife duo where one person isn't as ready? Like what advice do you have for that spouse that might be kind of holding back on jumping into real estate investing? Yeah, I think mostly, and I struggled with this, so I'm not saying that this is perfect, but I think a lot of it is respecting your spouses or whoever, respecting what they're really excited about and starting to at least look into it, whether it's listening to podcasts or reading and try to understand a little bit why they're so excited and try to help them build that desire and to make it into reality. I think there's something about respecting people's heart desires and going after, for me, if if it was just me, I never would have done this, but I was like, Annie's really into this. I need to at least look into it. I need to see what I can do to help her build her dream. And then once you get into it, it's kind of fun and you start doing something together. And although we've got it gone, like we haven't always been on the same page, but when we are, it's super fun and it's worth it. Yeah. So one piece of advice, if you're listening right now and you're trying to get your spouse on board, I feel like this question comes up a lot. You have to show, like Trey said, you have to show that excitement, right? You have to have the podcast on while you guys are cooking breakfast together. You have to go to the meetups and invite your spouse along. You have to be reading the books and letting your spouse know what you're learning and joining the Facebook groups and tagging them and stuff. And you have to show them how serious and how excited you are and let them know that this isn't something that you're just dabbling in, but something that you're committing to. And I know that's what helped me is showing my wife that, you know, hey, this is something that I truly believe has the power to change our financial future. So I love that advice, Trey. I think just to add to that, I think the why, like you guys talk about, is really important. Because if it's just like, oh, let's go make some money, blah, 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 you know, like, that's not exciting to me. I can make money doing other things. It's the why and the vision and like the long term, why, you know, doing this together and why are we doing this together is super important. 
Beautiful, man. I like that. I like especially the why are we doing it together, too. I think that's important for any partnership, not even, you know, husband and wife, but making sure that you and your business partner goals are aligned and that you guys are on the same track. And one of you might be, you know, you don't want to get to a fork in the road and all of a sudden you built this portfolio and you both want to end up in different directions. And then where do you go from there? So I like that a lot. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us on the show today. Uh, We love to hear your story and the advice that you guys gave. Yeah, thank you guys for having us. (laughs) Thank you so much. It was fun. Where can everyone find out some more information about you guys? Um, I'm on Bigger Pockets page a lot. You can find me, Annie Johnson, I think. You can just search and you'll see me and Trey's picture. And I have an Instagram, Annie Hatch Johnson, H-A-T-C-H. But I don't really put investing stuff on there. It's mostly just me and my family. But Trey has an Instagram he puts his work on. Yeah, I need to update it. But it's uh, True Construction Projects. Awesome. Well, we'll put those in the show notes, biggerpockets.com forward slash rookie 46. And everybody don't forget to join our Facebook group. Annie and Trey, are you guys in the Facebook group? So yeah, we're in it. Yeah, that's a yes. Yeah. Say yes. Yeah, yeah, we're on there. We love it. <laughs> we love well, that group. Be on there by the time by the time your show airs. So you can have lots of people that want to ask you guys questions. They just search uh, "real estate rookie" in Facebook, and you'll see it pop up. And make sure you hit the "I agree" to the rules, or else the moderators will not let you into the group. So thank you everyone for joining us. I'm Ashley Kerr at Wealth From Rentals and he's Tony Robinson at Tony J. Robinson. And we'll see you guys next week. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.